Thanks, everybody. Thanks. I heard you guys had some amazing services the past month. <laughs> we, um, we, we really did. We needed a time to rest, um, and it was rich. You know, I've, you know, one of the things I learned while I was away is I didn't hardly know how to rest. And uh, I, I kept constantly trying to do something, and the Lord would be like, nope. I, I remember I was like, I'm going to take a week to rest, and I'm going to do house projects the second week, and I'm going to do this the third week. And anybody know what the Enneagram is? I'm an Enneagram 3 slash 2. So any kind of threes in the house? Achievers? All right, yeah. So achievers, achievers feel like they have to be achieving, right? Oh, man. Yeah, I, got to, I had to begin to achieve naps and achieve other things that were different achievements than normal. But um, we had a great time. We, we, we spent a lot of time with our family, my family and my kids. We spent the last nine or ten days in Orlando, and we have a bunch of friends down there, Bill and Tracy Vanderbush, um, Demetria Stallings. You guys remember Demetria? She moved to Orlando. Um, so we had breakfast with her. By the way, um, I didn't. Uh, Bill is going to be here the last week of this month, <laughs> so Bill will be here um, next next month. I believe Ivan Roman will be here, um, and then the following month. I be, I'm saying I believe because I keep scheduling people and they change plans on me. So um, and by the end of the year, we'll have Dimitri in. So we're going to have some prophets in the house. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. We went to um, we went to Disney World. And had a blast, except for I hate roller coasters. <laughs> Anybody else not like roller coasters? Am I on my own? Okay, the other four of us in the room, all right. <laughs> What's wrong with you guys, man? I was like binding a spirit of fear on them and everything else. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to do this. And uh, we did, a, we did a, I'll just tell you about one of them, and then I'll, I'll get to preaching. I won't tell you which ride it was. But there was a specific ride that was caught me off guard. I mean, I saw like a five-year-old getting on it. I'm like, I got this. I get on, and they strap you all over the place. I'm like, what is all that for, you know? And, and, uh, and <laughs> they come around the curve, and they like hit the gas on this thing, and you immediately like, woof. And I was like, I got this. We're okay. I'm going to be okay. And we're going, and we're going, and I see the track going up. That's where I start losing it. When, the, when you that little tick, 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 Tiffany's like, yes. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, nah. And uh, I'm like, take me now, Jesus. And uh, we're going, tick, tick. And so we're coming and we shoot, shoot up a track, and the track is ended. And we get straight up, and the ride stops. There's only one way to go, guys. It's backwards. And I was doing good. And then you start hearing me like, no, 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 no. I'm like, and you hear me screaming, I don't like this, I don't like this. <laughs> and they take you backwards and, you, and, they, and they change tracks and you're going backwards and they bring you into a cave in the pitch black and it stops. I'm like, Whew. and the track drops. And it drops you almost 20 feet in the pitch black. It goes, mm-mm, mm-mm. Some of you guys are getting hyped, me talking about you. Like, yes! How many of you uh, are crazy? You guys got problems. Um, <laughs> I'm like, we stopped, and it was like, I could feel something was coming. My prophetic gifting was tingling. I'm like, oh, it's coming. I did not think I would fall 20 feet. This peak of the ceiling is like 23 feet, to put that in perspective. And it was an 18 foot drop. 
It was not glorious. It was from the devil. So, um, <laughs> oh, we rode because there was nobody at the park, so we rode rides constant, no lines. Not but one ride had a line. I learned that I think lines are there for you to let your body recover. <laughs> Maybe I'm just getting older. We drove straight to the chiropractor. Not straight home, straight to the chiropractor. I told you that story for a reason, and then I'll jump in. Um, we had, we had a, just a great time. I, re, I really shouldn't talk too much about it because I want to share some things that are really important on my heart for this morning. But um, the roller coaster thing was a big deal because uh, for me, like, I'm like, I'm going to press through for my kids. Like, they want to ride these. I'm going to ride them. I would only ride them once. They're like, let's do it again. I'm like, nope, you're on your own the second time. <laughs> and, um, and so uh, we met up with Demetria Stallings for breakfast uh, one morning. And you guys will all get to know Demetria. She's a jewel. And she, girl, can sing. And um, she is extremely prophetic. Some of her words have been the most guiding words for this church that she's given us. And she tells me, she says, John, she says, I feel the Lord. And she said, I just feel like there is something on you. She said, you being willing to ride those roller coasters for your kids? She's like, the Lord is inviting you into the ride of a lifetime with your church. She's like, if you'll say yes, they'll say yes. We are getting ready. I can feel in the spirit realm over this church, over this place, over our city. I can feel the, 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 the bars coming down. Like, here we go. And I'm telling you guys, it's, we are getting ready to experience something that is massive in what's getting ready to happen in this, in this, in this house and in this city and in the nations. Quit, quit getting your direction from the news. They're paid to write a script before you go to bed to scare you the next day. I know that hurts some of you, but it's true. That's their job, is to get your attention. Listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. And I'm telling you right now, there's something that's stirring in the body of Christ. So Holy Spirit, let's go. Anybody want to ride the roller coaster? <laughs> you know it must be Jesus that I even use that word. Let's go, Jesus. <laughs> Whoa. Come on, Jesus. You got a lot. Of, what are you going to do today? All right. We're in a season of revelation and wisdom. Are you ready for it? I believe that we are going to step into a new season where God's going to reveal a lot of new things. I think it's important, though, that we know how to steward the things that he revealed previously also. How many of you know that what God, when he, when he reveals something to us, it's that he's building? And one of the things he told me this morning, he says, John, he says, some people keep tearing apart their foundation, and they never can get higher. And the idea is, is that when God reveals something new to us, that the ceiling becomes the new floor. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about something. I'm going to, I'm going to give you like a really high perspective sermon this morning, the best I can, some things I've been talking about uh, with our staff on and off, but I've not really preached on it before, so let's see how it comes out. You got some mercy for me? Um, I, think, I think I can get it out. I want to talk to you, though, about what an apostolic church, some things the Lord's been showing me about an apostolic church with culture versus structure. 
Okay, I know it sounds super boring. It's not. <laughs> it's not. As we begin to steward revelation from the Lord, he wants to bring us closer to him. He wants to begin to change the culture. When I talk about culture, and I've said this before, and I, and I want to give you an example. I don't know if you've ever, uh, when I was a kid, we would often get in a pool, or my friends would, we'd get in the pool, and you'd begin to try to go around the pool and, and create a whirlpool. You ever do that? As a, as, as a kid, it's like, come on, let's go, and you're pushing through that pool, and then another person gets behind you, and you're pushing through the pool, and you're going round and round and round, and then another person gets in, and what happens is people begin to get involved. How many of you know that the whirlpool gets stronger? And the first person pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, and then someone else jumped in and it got easier. Then someone else jumped in and it got easier to the point where you get such a whirlpool coming, going that someone else jumps in and they just get sucked in. That's called culture. We want to create a culture in this house that if we can get a group of people that will start pushing... Start pushing. I mean pushing against what the, what, what the outside ungodly culture is saying. And say, no, actually God is really good and he has great plans. And we push. And we begin to see things shift in this house. And we begin to build one thing upon another. We see it in the word of God. We see it where he says, you were a slave and now you're a friend. How many know that we still choose to be a bondservant? But how many of you know then you go from a friend to a child? Yeah. And then a child to we are the bride of Christ. Yeah. And then I don't fully understand scriptures, but you are fully in him and he is fully in you. You don't get much closer. Yeah. But he's continually revealing. And I feel like we're coming into a season where he wants to reveal some things that are gonna shift culture around here. And as we begin to see this this shift in culture, I believe the one thing the Lord has on my heart is we're going to begin to see actually our city transformed. Yes. We're going to begin to see businesses very, very prosperous. Is there anybody in here that doesn't work for a church to so say amen to that? And <laughs> see, I grew up in the version of church that the grand finale was to get into ministry. Every conference I went to, who's called the ministry? Like, it's like, if you weren't called to work in a church, I didn't feel like I had really an opportunity at the altar call at the end. Anybody else kind of grow up in that, 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 that type of, I'm not just talking here, I mean just youth conferences I would go to. It was always like, everyone had to be in ministry. And don't get me wrong, that we are ministering even in the marketplace, but God wants to influence the society. I, oh man. I got, I got weeks waiting in me, guys. Watch out. Um, just, just remember your kids at noon. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I, believe, I believe that when we see scriptures and passages um, with uh, Joseph, for example, remember Joseph had a favor that just, they couldn't get it off of him. They threw him in a hole. Someone else gets him out of a hole, and they take him in to be a servant, and then he works his way. He doesn't work his way. He's promoted by the favor of God all the way up to the place of running the entire nation. I believe that the kings and queens of society are, are, are prominent business leaders of society. God wants to begin to come into those areas and touch those areas also. Amen. 
when we begin to see this fresh wisdom and revelation and we begin to steward it, we begin to see things change within the house. We begin to see families getting stronger. We begin to see marriages strong. We begin to see kids that love the Lord and they love their parents. We begin to see things here happening. And a big part of the, a big part of the, you know, we use the word reformation a lot and some people really get upset over that. Oh, well. <laughs> One of the things that I believe the Lord is doing a reformation of is a reformation, reformation of belonging. Yep. Psalm 68, 6, you can write it down. I'll just read, I'll quote it to you. He sets the lonely in families and he leads the prisoners out with singing. Interestingly enough, he sets the lonely in families. Then he brings the prisoners out with singing. Could it be that we're expecting people to get set free before they're set in a family? When he says, I want to set them in family, and from that context, I'll set them free. Didn't Jesus demonstrate this with his disciples? Didn't he first prototype the idea of they belonged before they believed? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm not taking away from the, the, there has to be a response to, to belong in the book of life, to belong in the kingdom. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about belonging in a tribe. Now, from that place, see, they step in and they begin to see what healthy families look like. They begin to see these things and say, that, that draws them. And he wants to begin to create covenant communities I say communities. We are a community. I believe this is a word much bigger than the gate. He wants to begin to create covenant communities that will be communities that are like the city set on the hill that in the darkness, people will know where to look. But it won't be you have to go through A through Z before you can be a part of our community. You belong now. You'll believe sooner or later. Listen, this is, the, this is such a great form of evangelism. It's what Jesus did. He completely messed with people. He constantly walked into situations where they just, it bothered them. And he said, no, they, they, I love them. And I believe that as we begin to take this and we begin to make these shifts in our culture, and, and I'm, let, me, let me just see if I can show you something here. I'm terrible at drawing. So let's just draw a house. And then in the house, look like <laughs> mountains on top of the house. But in the, I'm going to do stick people. In the, in the house, we have people, right? There you go. And there you go. So I want you to begin to understand something. People tell me all the time, they say, well, well um, structure is family. But I want to teach you a few things because it's actually culture is family. I've seen churches try to run them where structure is only family, and I watch it fall apart one after another. And you're like, whoa, wait, whoa, wait a minute, hold on. 
I want you to imagine, though, that there is a, this, this, this house here, it's a wineskin. It's what facilitates what God wants to do. It's a structure. God gives us instructions for how to apostolically build a house of God. And I'm going to get that. By the way, when I use the word apostolic, some of you, that's probably terminology maybe you're not familiar with. So let me just talk about that really quick. When I use the word apostle, apostolic, some people may not even believe that it's true today. Um, that's too bad. That's too bad because if you don't believe that those offices still exist, you believe that it says that um, until the unity of the body of Christ. I think it's overly uh, uh, ambitious to believe that the entire body of Christ has been unified. So we'll leave that. If you don't like that, sorry. You probably won't like the rest of my sermon. Um, but the offices of the apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor are still relevant. They are still operating, but they're not operating in a lot of churches. But I'm going to throw you even a curveball because I don't even believe that all fivefold of the offices are the structure per se. I think they're equipping of the saints. Yeah. I've wrestled through this for a year. It's the first time I've talked about it since I wrestled through it. I've put away a lot of notes and pulled out some new ones. And, I, and this is the, the grand revealing of what I'm feeling the Lord is showing me. Culture is what happens in a home. Culture is a family. Culture is how you operate, how you speak to each other is completely based out of what your values are. Your, your core values will determine how you operate with each other. If your core value feels that the guys up on the platform are the guys that do ministry, then you probably will come in and just be a part and let them do ministry. If your core value believes that we are all ministers and that we are all to lay hands on the sick and that we are all to change people's lives around us, then it will change the culture of this service and churches. You understand when people come here... I'd heard this story one time by Danny Silk uh, about just someone who'd come to a service where he was leading, and he said that by the time that the service started, they, I think they said they'd been prayed for and prophesied over either three or four times, and the service hadn't even started yet. That's called culture. That's called the family of God. That's what we are raising up in apostolic church. Let me get back to the word apostolic. So here's the deal, the word apostle. Interesting that Jesus used the word apostle because when he used the word apostle, it was a secular term that he took. He took a secular term that was a Greek term that when we saw that the Greek empire would conquer a land, it said that they would go into this land and there was an apostolos. It was the, it was the admiral of a fleet of ships and they would go into this newly conquered land and, the, and it said that they would begin to introduce the Greek Roman culture into this land. Here's why it's important. If they didn't quickly introduce the new culture, people would revert to their old culture. And if they reverted to their old culture, then they would begin to oppose the ways of the kingdom. Every time God moves, every time God does something, when you pray, so many of you pray, Lord, I want you to move in our city. Just recognize that every time he pours out new wine, there has to be a new wine skin to hold it. So be cautious if you're not willing to walk in and, and let him restructure things in your life and in the local church if you're praying prayers like, Lord, we want to see an outpouring of your spirit. Great, you need a new wineskin. <laughs> you still with me? 
You see, Jesus, Jesus came and he understood this. He came with the purpose to reveal the Father. Jesus, he has a value for community. Even when Jesus said, I'm gonna teach you how to pray, our Father, he didn't say my Father. He even taught you to pray in the context of community. Our Father. <laughs> Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he goes on, he says, on earth as it is in heaven, that's the apostolic ministry. It's the most apostolic prayer I could point you to. He's trying to take the culture of heaven and to make that the culture of earth. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing about heaven. You ever heard the term that home, uh, home is where the heart is? If you don't know the heart of the Father, it's hard to understand heaven. It's hard to understand the realm in which he dwells if you don't understand his heart. Yeah. It's hard to understand culture unless you know the heart of the Father. Yeah. And the best way to learn about the heart of the Father is to read about the life of Jesus because he perfectly represented the heart of the Father. Right. Everything he did. And so we have this idea of culture. And as it begins to, ha as it begins to take off, we begin to see an increase in wisdom and understanding, and we begin to experience a level of presence and power within the body. I, I want to get to the point where there's not a person in the room that doesn't feel 100% confident that they can't lay hands on the sick and they're healed. That they can do that. You see, that's what an apostolic house looks like. That's what a culture looks like. Now, now, some of you are more familiar with that piece of it, but culture operates in a structure. And so the culture is, the culture of heaven is family. Yes. I tell people all the time, I, I was just talking to someone about this recently, I said, you know, the older I get, the more, how do I say this? The, when it comes to people getting married and, and me doing like marriage as a premarital, which I honestly don't do much of anymore because it's just hard. I know if I say that, there's so many young adults in the room, I'm putting a target on my head. For, but <laughs> I, I truly enjoy it. But the older I get, the more important I understand how important it is for people to understand how much a covenant of marriage is. Because even the picture that the father established of how people will understand the relationship between the bride and the groom is the picture of your marriage. Boy, that'll make some of you think twice. <laughs> some of you are like, oh, man, blew it this morning. <laughs> even when people look at my wife and I, my, our goal is to be able to be a representation of the union between the bride of Christ That's right. and the groom. That's, right. That's what it's supposed to be. And so heaven's culture is family. But then there's this structure. And there's this piece that we call the, the local church that... Um, America, the Western culture church has had a really hard time changing. 
you do realize that we are very different than much of the rest of the world. I, I don't have time to go through some of the history pieces of it. But since the, the, the American church was birthed, it hasn't really changed. And it doesn't really represent very well the church that we see the apostles talking about in the New Testament. Some of you are going to be like, huh? You want to know one of the very first, one of the, the right up front, the things that point to that we haven't quite figured it out yet is when everyone comes to a church, they want to know who the pastor is. Now, that might sound like an awkward statement, but you wouldn't have found that in the Bible because they would have wanted to know who's the apostolic leadership over this house. And so we have, and I have a high value for pastors, and I always want to, I'm going to keep that, my goodness, do I have a high value for pastors. I, I have a very pastoral heart. Um, we have amazing pastors being raised up in this house. We, apostolic and prophetic um, churches that don't have pastors get very unhealthy very quick. I've seen it happen. I've seen forerunner churches that were forerunners, and they didn't have fathers and mothers and pastors, and they got very unhealthy very quickly. So we have value for pastors. But the wineskin that we're used to here in the Western culture church is very different than the one that we see in the Bible. I grew up in a denominational church that was, uh, the idea was is that people would go through Bible school. You would go looking for a pastor, so you would call up the Bible school. And they would send you people and it was really hit or miss if they worked out. My, <laughs> my dad, I remember, he had so many youth pastors come through at one point. It was like they kept calling him up, and they'd send him another one, and they would be in and out like six months to a year, and just another one would be in and out, another one would be in and out. And I remember my dad even began to shift from a, more of a, a denominational mindset into an apostolic mindset when he began to say, we're going to begin to raise people up in the house. Yeah. And you begin to feel a shift. And the difference is really big. Because in a more traditional denominational church, the pastor gets its authority from the denomination that they're a part of. But I meet a lot of people that think they're a pastor and they're actually a teacher. I meet a lot of people that... Um, think they're a pastor and they're actually an evangelist. Now, the five-fold aspect of the church is really important. The Bible says that the, the, that the apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists are there for the equipping of the saints. Now, that word can be translated. Most of the times you see that word equipping, it means to mend a net. Like if there's a hole in a net, to mend it, and so it's whole, which is a really, really powerful picture. But there's another meaning that is a chiropractic term that means to adjust a bone. This is important because as I just figured out after being at Disney World for many, many days and riding rides, I was so out of alignment. And when I was ready to, I was in pain, my neck hurt. How many know if your neck gets out, you can start feeling anxiety? I mean, y'all may not know that, but like you can, like when the neck gets out, you start feeling really weird stuff. 
you have headaches and all this kind of stuff. And so I knew I need to get to a chiropractor because I need them to adjust something. When you begin to have that fivefold, the purpose of them is to adjust the body of Christ. They come in and pastors will adjust. Most of us are very used to the adjustments of pastors because that's primarily what we know in the Western culture church. But we're not so used to when a prophet comes in and adjusts you. They're a little rougher sometimes. You know, pastors are like, all right, we're just gonna, you're like, oh, oh, felt good. Sometimes the prophets are like, you know, whoa, you know. Man, that felt good, you know? And it's like uh, teachers are like, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do before I'm going to adjust you. And then we're going to adjust you. And, they, you know, and there's all these, the evangelists are like, we got to go out there. And there are people hurting, and we need to you know, reach people. They're all adjusting the body differently, and we need that. But here's the thing. That five-fold offices, they're not the structure of the church. You'll find that out really quickly when you put an evangelist in charge of things. Because one, they're going to feel like the life is getting sucked out of them because they're supposed to be out there reaching people. And now we've weighed them down with all the responsibilities that sometimes is not what they're supposed to walk in. And you come to church, it's like, I have gotten saved every week for four months. And, and it's like, I love the Lord. And they're like, well, listen, we just want to make sure of it. And I love that about evangelists. They are beautiful in that. Like, we need them. But you will find that when you begin to put them in the structure of a church, it doesn't always work. You want to know the structure that actually is given to you in your Bible that is literally reads it out for you. is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 28, and it said that God gave the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the miracle workers, the healers, the helps gifts, the administrators, and the discerning of spirits. And I want you to think about this for a minute. What if the wineskin, what if the, the thing that we're building to facilitate and hold a move of God what if, let's just think for a moment, if the, if, if the structure had in it apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, heal, uh, gifts of healing is what it calls, helps gifting, administrators, discerning of spirits. Doesn't that sound like pretty healthy? Like, what's going to come up that that group isn't ready for? God has equipped them and prepared them. You see, that's the structure that God said here. He even gives some of it in order and says, first, second. Listen, when God says one, two, three, pay attention. Now, I have... I have toiled with how does this look because for so long everyone's like we just want it just to be family and I do believe that the culture and the environment inside of the house should be family kingdom is family heaven is family but I also believe that God gave us an order for how to build it how to facilitate that family and it's very foreign when all we've known is a, um, a pastoral driven church 
That's all I grew up with. That's all I knew. That's all I understood. And I remember when prophets would come through and we were all like wowed. Like, whoa, that was foreign. Like it just was not normal. We, were, we never experienced it. And they'd come through and things would happen. I preached about a year ago on a scripture regarding the apostolic church. When I preached on it, I went into the year of having to wrestle through more than I ever dreamed I would wrestle through. And I told Tiffany, I said, I don't know if I just preached it a year early or if I preached it and God's like, let's make it real and then here we are a year later. But I believe that there's, I'm gonna read the scripture again and if you have your Bible, go ahead and flip to Ezekiel chapter 37. You still with me this morning, church? Thanks. You guys are so quiet this morning. <laughs> as, you, as you flip there, everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah. It's one of the coolest scriptures in the Bible. Ezekiel 37.1 says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many of bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can those bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make you breathe. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and I will make flesh come upon you and I will cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, <laughs> a rattling sound and the bones came together. Bone to bone, I looked, and the tendons in the flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. <laughs> Y'all ain't getting this. Y'all are reading a different passage than me right now. Prophesy to the breath. Speak to the answer. Like, speak to the answer. This is not like... Uh, can't say that. Um, uh, um, rewrite that in my head. This is not like so much of our, our worship music that just speaks to the problem. And all it talks about is the mountain. He says, you prophesy to the breath. Speak to the answer. I love when people come to me and I can feel they've got an answer. Like, they're like, hey, I want to share something with you and here's what God is showing me. I'm like, bring it. I want to hear it. He says to them, he says, speak, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied. As he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life. They stood on their feet, a vast army. Yes. 
There is something on this passage that you can't get away from, for me, that represents an apostolic church coming together. Something happens, uh, I've seen it happen, and it happens almost in waves. Sometimes you go through years, and I'll feel a shift, and I'll feel it happening again. I feel it happening right now. I felt this about three years ago, and I'm feeling it again. And it's something where I'm seeing... There's a difference between gathering. You can have a gathering of people without an assembly of people. You see, you can take something and just gather a bunch of pieces of wood and put it there, and you have a gathering of wood. Then you take someone who knows how to build with wood, and they create a back deck or a front porch, because what do they do? They assembled something. And see, we can come together and we can gather together week after week after week after week after week after week after week and say, I am bored because you're not assembling. God wants to see his church assemble. And we see something here. We see the dry bones were there. I believe that so often this is how, honestly, these churches begin to form. There's a group of people. I can't tell you how many people have come in dry. And I call them burnt crispy. A lot of them have been in ministry and they come into the church and they're just like, I don't want anything to do with ministry. <laughs> I see it all the time. People are like, no thanks. And you look at them and you're like, I'm like, oh, you are like, mm, so filled with like so much grace in your life. And you begin to watch as the Lord begins to, the, the breath of God begins to blow. And people, the skin begins to happen and the bones begin to gather and we begin to see an assembly happening. And you'll know when the assembling begins to happen because you'll start getting frustrated sitting around and not doing what you're supposed to do. You'll feel it. You'll sit there and you'll feel like, I gotta do something. I gotta do something. We won't have to push people to get involved. That's not an issue. That's not an issue. People will begin to say, no, I'm a part of this body. Where do I fit? And you begin to see this as the prophesying is happening and as the bones are coming together, we begin to see an apostolic body forming. And this is much different. This is much different, hear me church, than this deciding I'm gonna come up with a plan how to start a church and then I'm gonna try to implement that. You see this, building a wineskin is not about, I'm gonna build it and then Lord, you fill it. It's saying, Lord, what are you pouring out and I'll build around that. I don't build it and tell you, Lord, now you fill it, I built it. I say, Lord, what are you pouring out? And then that's how we'll build. presence of the Lord on this. Those of you that are praying for something new in the earth, you need to go ahead and wrap your mind around the reality that the wineskin has to change. It just has to. It always has to. God will begin to change things. You'll see. You'll see people rising up. You'll see new leaders rise up. It's normal. It's absolutely normal. We get so we get so um, we get so comfortable in how we like things done with church. Like this is my seat, that's my leader, that's my favorite song, you know. And we get into this, 
<laughs> get into this process of like, it's like just routine, 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 routine. We're gathering, we're gathering, but then you see when God breathes on a place, we go from gathering to assembling. And something begins to shift. Cities, I'm telling you, I, oh man, I see people rising up. I see kings and queens in the business. Oh, I don't want to share some things too early, but I see them looking for people that get this because they say, that's who I want to hire. I told Jordan this morning, we were praying together, and I said, uh, maybe this sounds crazy, but I said, I want to get a place where when people are looking to hire someone, they know what church to go to. I mean, yeah, I'm a little partial of this church, okay? But if if you're just visiting, you can say that about your church. This is for your church, too. But I want to see that people that are looking to hire, they say, their culture is what I want at our workplace. They change the atmosphere. I remember when Tiffany was uh, years ago when we first got married and we had like no money. <laughs> and she was working at this uh, little insurance agency. Um, and uh, I would remember taking her there. And Tiffany is like kind of the worst salesperson in the world. And she knows that because she's like, nah, you don't need that. And, like, <laughs> he's like, well, no, you need to sell them like life insurance. She's like, you're good. Like, you know, she's just, but <laughs> Tiffany, the, her boss, couldn't figure her out because every, she just, people would buy all her stuff. And it wasn't because of some natural gifting. It was because she carried something on her that when she would call people, they just felt comfortable. Yeah. They felt heaven on her. She'd come in the office and the environment was good. He, I remember when she stopped working there, he begged her to come back. He's like, you set the environment in this office. He didn't know until she left because there's no believers really left. And she left and all of a sudden it felt yuck. You see, this is actually how you change cities. This is actually how you impact cities is you begin to come in and influence, influence, not dominate. Influence. We don't need anyone coming in trying to dominate someone else's business. We come in and Joseph served. Are you willing to serve the dream of another king and queen? Are you willing? I mean, even in the local church, I heard a saying recently that just rocked my world. Randy Clark said, are you willing to serve the church that even hurts you? Holy cow. He's like, even when it brings you pain, will you serve her? Y'all just got real quiet. (laughs) I hate to break it to you church hurts at times people hurt at times but you know what it's the bride of Christ and I am not giving up on her I people will hurt you people will say things people will do things and you are faced with decisions you have to make and I oh man yeah we're not going to get through this um let me say this Be careful. I'll try to bring this together, but be careful what you open up your heart to and the things that you let the enemy tell you. Here's the deal. I meet people sometimes, and 
uh, maybe they're a parent and their kid did something pretty minimal and the parent freaked out like oh my gosh they're gonna be just like me and I was a troubled child and I did this and I did that and all of a sudden they have completely paved a path for their child to become a rebellious teenager when they really were their heart was not there who do you think created that path for the parents to run with the fear? It wasn't the Lord. Here's the thing. The enemy, all he has is words. He is the accuser. That's it. He has to get you to loan him your authority for his words to actually impact you. When you begin to let words come in, and I guard my heart, and I tell people this, guard your heart. Guard your heart. And, 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 and I begin to hear things, and I begin to hear words of negativity, and I begin to hear these things. The Bible says there's power of life and death in your words. I haven't actually seen a scripture that says you have to say them out loud. I think you can run those things through your head constantly and they become your reality. I feel, I feel something on this this morning. God wants us to receive what he is saying. Some of you, be careful. I said this at the beginning, somewhat of a joke, but in all seriousness, be careful with the news because they will feed you words and if you, if you adopt them and then you empower them and then you wonder, you feel overwhelmed. I am so optimistic. I am so optimistic. People will sometimes tell me all the bad stuff. I'm like, hey, it will be all right. They're like, did you hear me? <laughs> I heard you. But if I focus on that for about 10 minutes, I'm going to be in completely a mess. And I'm going to focus on what God is saying. As we begin to build this culture, as we begin to build this structure, and I know I'm bouncing all over the place, so I'm going to try to somehow pull off a miracle and end it. But as we begin to focus on building a culture, I'm not even, I haven't even gotten to the part about ministries, you know what I mean? If, if I could draw worth anything, I'd put a garage and I put a car in it, and, and, and the ministry is represented by the car because then we're called to go and do things. But right now, what I keep feeling the Lord is saying, the word he's been putting on my heart for honestly a year now, I've wrestled. Wrestled, what does this look like? Lord, what does an apostolic house actually look like? And it looks like people doing life together inside of it. It looks like healthy marriages. And if you don't have a healthy marriage, don't feel condemned. That's the whole point. There's hope. Yes. You belong. And you know what happens? People begin to get discipled not only by books and courses. They begin to get discipled by watching you. They begin to get discipled by seeing how you do life. And then there begins to be a momentum. That whirlpool gets going. I'm telling you guys, you, you watch. You remember this Sunday morning. I'm, I'm talking to you right on the front edge of a huge wave of his presence that's coming. And the reason that I'm focusing on this, which is really weird to preach a sermon on, is because I felt like the Lord said, get ready. Get ready. 
be ready to facilitate what I want to do. And you can't facilitate it with the old wineskin. Breathe. Breath in those bones. <laughs> I don't... I can't... We'll do a part two next week. <laughs> I wrote out all my thoughts and I looked at the bottom of my word processor and it said 3,600 words. I was like, yeah, we'll be preaching till Monday if I do that. So I'm going to stop it kind of right around there. I want to encourage you guys. God is birthing something. He's creating something that I'm so excited to see. I'm like a kid, man. Like, honestly, like, I feel like Disney World was nothing compared to this. Like, this is the true happiest kingdom on earth. Like, I'm getting to see something that God is stirring. There's, there's a people that's coming together. I, I mean, I looked around the room. A ton of our people are out of town, and I, and I leaned over to Mikey. I said, who's the other church that's in attendance this morning? I don't know a lot of you, and it's such an honor to have you this morning, and, and I hope you get blessed. But God is moving, and he's just looking for some people that will just let him change things. And I'm telling you, it's not as hard as you think. He gives us instructions in his word. One of the biggest changes, and I, I skipped this, but I'm going to throw it in there. I, I don't want to leave on a note where I kind of, I don't want to in any way feel like I downgraded pastors. But pastors should be everywhere. There should be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 pastors in a apostolic house that are pastoring people. That's how it's meant to operate. There's no way one pastor can stand up here week after week and pastor two or 300 people. It's just a setup for somebody to feel burnout. Things will change. I saw in the spirit over this morning that there's gonna be people that he begins to, um, I saw like a, like a beacon, like a light, I don't know what it was, but I saw it like on people and I saw them activating. Like, bing, bing, like, 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 they just were all activating. Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Thanks, God. Do it, Jesus. I'm challenging you, those of you that are calling this place home. I'm challenging you. Begin to jump in the culture of what heaven is doing. Begin to step into your place. Begin to lay hands on the sick. Everyone in here is a greeter. <laughs> we have specialized greeters, but you're all greeters. You're all here to welcome. I want to see a place where people get healed by parking lot attendants. Yeah. They just pull in and park, and we don't. We shouldn't need handicap parking. We should just pray for them and they get healed. It's 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 
prayer parking. <laughs> you pull in here. <laughs> we have a spot for you. <laughs> I remember. I remember when I was youth pastoring. This one kid told me he's like, I love to go to stores and wait at the handicap spots. I'm like, he's like, why? He's like, I love to pray for people. And he just stand there and wait for them. And he's like, they can't outrun me, most of them. So he's like, I'll just keep walking with them. Like, come on, Jesus. And just keep praying for them, right? And they're like, stop it, stop it, stop it. You know? And he saw all these people get healed. Because he would just stand. I've met people that go and get bus tickets and just ride the local bus. They just go stand at the bus stop and wait for somebody. And they pray for them. They get on the bus with them. Some of y'all need to get on the bus. <laughs> this is culture. This is heaven. This is what Jesus did. He was a servant leader. He came to serve. And that's what we want to see. And so as we go after this, I want to encourage you, listen to, let the Holy Spirit stir you. Let him stir you. And you'll begin to feel things come awaken in you. You watch. Let's stand up. I got to let you out. If any of you want to take a picture of this fantastic drawing, <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> it's better than that. Never mind. Uh, I'm going to stop. It is good to be home. I love this place. And I am not moving. I heard... Th- <laughs> I heard three rumors while I was out. One was that my marriage was in trouble because I posted a Facebook thing asking for marital content because I was like praying how to create more marital content so I wanted to read more. The second was I was moving to Orlando. It would take God's hand to get me to move to that hot place. (laughs) And the third one was that we all had COVID. (laughs) And so we are good. We are here, we are refreshed, we're excited to be with this family, and we love you guys. You guys have no idea, I'm going to say something that I hope it doesn't sound wrong, but there are a lot of eyes on this house looking to see what God's going to do. And I say that in a a humble heart, because it is not me, but there are a lot of eyes watching what's going to happen on this house, because people feel it. I got prophetic words I could just begin to shoot out that I read every day, that I, I hold on to. So, Lord, I bless this place. Now, breath of God. Whoa. (laughs) Breath of God, breathe on this house. Breath of God, breathe on this group of people. Those, uh, Father, even those that this is not home, breathe on them. Breathe on them. Breathe on them right now. Just receive the breath of God. I prophesy to you life. I feel the authority coming out right now. I prophesy over some of you. I prophesy life over you. And that you would begin to feel the shaking, the shaking, the rattling. The rattling would begin to happen, and you would begin to feel you being pulled, and arms are being pulled in, and and feet, and the body is assembling. It's assembling because God has a purpose. And so I release over you this morning, I release over everyone in this house an apostolic grace 
that you will begin to operate in things. That's the beauty that I never even got to. Those of you that are pastors, when you're hooked up in an apostolic house, you move in the apostolic too. Those of you that are teachers and you're hooked up in an apostolic house, you can begin to move in the prophetic. Look, I just see this picture. There's so much available. And he's saying, just step into it. Just step into it. So I bless you. I bless you. I bless those of our family that are watching on the live stream that can't be here. We bless you. We bless you with the fullness of what Christ has for you. And Father, we declare that now is the time to see things shift. Now is the time. Whoa. If you wanted to say, I'll receive it, Lord. (laughs) Come on, Jesus. Father, blessings over their families, over their marriages, over their children. I bless them. Lord, we honor everyone, but we most of all, we honor you. You are king, you are good, you are God. And we adore you in Jesus' name. Amen.